Hello and welcome to Close Talking, the world's most popular poetry analysis podcast from Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley. And I am your other co-host, Connor McNamara-Stratton. And together we read a poem, talk about the poem, and read the poem again. Before we get into today's selection, a quick note that if you like what we do here at Close Talking and have a spare moment... It would mean the world to us if you drop a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews help boost us up the algorithm and are a great way for us to find new listeners. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on so many different social medias. On Twitter, the show is at Close Talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn and Connor is at Connor M. Stratton. On Instagram, the show is at Close Talking Poetry. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash close talking. We also have a whole website just for the podcast. It is closetalking.com where you can find all the past episodes of the show. And Cardboard Box Productions has a newsletter, Unboxed. So if you go to cardboardboxproductionsinc.com, you can subscribe for more behind the scenes stuff on Close Talking and on all the literary and cultural history podcasts that Cardboard Box Productions makes. All right, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to this all-new episode of Close Talking. This is co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to Pachita101, who left a lovely review of the pod over on Apple Podcasts. We encourage, of course, each and every listener to leave a review on their podcast app of choice. Pachita101 has continued what seems to be a budding tradition in close-talking reviews of stoking some beef. Uh, we had a recent review from New Zealand that threw a tiny bit of shade on Australia. We're still waiting for someone from Australia to respond to that one. Uh, and this review from Pachita 101 gets us into a little bit of hot water, potentially, with some of our fellow poetry podcasters. So we've got a five-star review, and that review is titled My Fave Poetry Nerds. Thank you so much. And Pachita 101 writes, Those buffoons! over it on being have nothing on you and then the little heart that you make with the carrot and the number three um so that is we are sure that is a a very loving uh mention of on being uh so if you have beef with a neighboring country uh or uh other folks in the poetry podcast game or if you just want to help us out with the algorithm and suggest poems or poets for future episodes drop a review and include those disses include those suggestions for poems and poets uh anything you want to write in there is great we love those five star reviews and we love seeing them it really does make us very happy um, you may have noticed by this point in the pod that i am on my own today but never fear we will have some contributions from our currently traveling co-host connor mcnamara stratton um, because today we have a slightly different kind of close talking episode we are remembering the recently departed poet charles simic uh, it's especially good that Connor has some contributions because between the two of us, he is by far the bigger Simic devotee. Uh, however, it turns out both Connor and I have a connection to Simic. All three of us went to the same high school at obviously different times. So Simic's early biography is pretty well known and is often a reference point in analysis of his work. He was born in Belgrade 
1938, and as you might imagine, World War II was massively disruptive to Simic and his family, as was the aftermath of the war. So they fled their home during the war, and they continued to move around throughout Europe in search of safety and work. And even though the war ended in 1945, it wasn't really until the early 50s that the family finally settled just outside Chicago in Oak Park, Illinois, which is where Connor and I grew up. Uh, in 2007, when Simic became Poet Laureate, there was a profile of him in the Wednesday Journal, which is one of the local Oak Park papers. Shout out to the Wednesday Journal. Uh, that profile was written by Lydia Lyle Gibson. And this was a, a little snippet from it that particularly resonated with me. I think you'll see why. Uh, and it says, ask Charles Simic about Oak Park and he'll describe for you its public library. Stacks upon stacks of philosophy, fiction, history, and poetry, art books with stiff, heavy pages full of Renaissance portraits and Impressionist landscapes, jazz albums, opera recordings, and classical music compilations. Plus, of course, the librarians, who would pencil a name and a due date into a little card and send readers home with armloads of borrowed literature. Now, I growing up, went to the Oak Park Library all the time. Uh, never fear, it is still a wonderful library. It was recently listed as a five-star library in its budget range, so still doing great stuff. Uh, and this profile also mentions it came out in 2007, and the Oak Park Library had recently had a massive uh, remodel. It reopened on my birthday, and I made a point of running in as the first patron on that day and touching all the dictionaries before anybody else could because that was very important to me at the time um that profile from 2007 mentions that uh simic hoped to see the new library at some point and i hope he did i don't know if he did or not um but simic then as he uh graduated from high school he left oak park behind as in fairness connor and i have as well uh, and went out into the world and so the list of his literary accomplishments is very very long and i'm sure Many of you listening have probably read or heard some version of it since his passing, but he won the Pulitzer Prize in 1990. He was awarded a MacArthur Genius Grant, and in 2007, of course, he was appointed as the 15th U.S. Poet Laureate after that became the title of the position in 1986. Uh, he came right after Donald Hall and right before Kay Ryan. Uh, so that's a lot of background, but let's get into one of Simic's poems. So here is Connor reading uh, the poem Summer Morning and sharing some of his thoughts on it. This is Summer Morning by Charles Simic. I love to stay in bed all morning, covers thrown off, naked, eyes closed, listening. Outside they are opening their primers in the little school of the cornfield. There's a smell of damp hay, of horses, laziness, summer sky, and eternal life. I know all the dark places where the sun hasn't reached yet, where the last cricket has just hushed, ant hills where it sounds like it's raining, slumbering spiders spinning wedding dresses. I pass over the farmhouses where the little mouths open to suck, barnyards where a man, naked to the waist, washes his face and shoulders with a hose, where the dishes begin to rattle in the kitchen, 
The good tree with its voice of a mountain stream knows my steps. It, too, hushes. I stop and listen. Somewhere close by, a stone cracks a knuckle. Another turns over in its sleep. I hear a butterfly stirring inside a caterpillar. I hear the dust talking of last night's storm. Farther ahead, someone even more silent passes over the grass without bending it. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that quiet, it seems possible to live simply on this earth. That was Summer Morning by Charles Simic. Um, one of my first favorites of his. I became very obsessed with this particular poem in college and um, even brought it to my poetry professor and was like, what do you think of this poem? And he was like, well, it's a very early Simic poem and not like Charles Simic usually. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but what do you think of it? And he had something to say about the spiders, maybe to do with T.S. Eliot. I don't really remember, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was one of those. It's one of those poems. It it has a kind of um, almost James Wright um, sudden turn at the end with a revelation, and all of the sudden, and all of a sudden, in the midst of that quiet, it seems possible to live simply on this earth. Um, and I just remember reading that and being sort of broken open by it. Um, and I loved just the the quietness and the smallness and the almost fantastical quality, but still detail where, you know, you have the spiders spinning wedding dresses, um, but then, you know, like the good tree is hushing, um, stones are cracking knuckles, um, butterflies are stirring inside caterpillars, you know, the kind of metamorphosis. Um, and these are all, these are all sort of ways of animating silence, um, which I think is, is very beautiful. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I also love to stay in bed all morning, so that one, that part really <laughs> appealed to me. So, uh, Simic is known for, you know, Connor alluded to how that might be a somewhat non-traditional Simic poem, and Simic is known for his sort of self-deprecating humor and his wryness, um, and he has a poem called My Turn to Confess, in which he likens himself to a a dog barking and uh, Robert Pinsky writing in the Washington Post referencing that poem around the time Simic became poet laureate uh, wrote congratulations to the Library of Congress on its opportunity to consult with a poet dog who in the third line above he quotes from the poem in his article nearly gets kicked out of a library uh, which is really wonderful and then reflecting on uh, Simic's history growing up in Europe for the first 15 years of his life, basically, before coming to the United States, where he learned and clearly mastered the English language and 
wrote basically his entire life was was about writing in English. He didn't really write in uh, other languages, though his work was translated and it did make its way back to Serbia. Um, Robert Taylor, in a 1992 review of the book Hotel Insomnia, writes that uh, Simic charges his work with dual perspectives, a remembered European past and a recognizably American present. Uh, so let's hear Connor read the poem Hotel Insomnia, and he's got some reflections on that poem, too. This is Hotel Insomnia by Charles Simic. I liked my little hole, its window facing a brick wall. Next door, there was a piano. A few evenings a month, a crippled old man came to play My Blue Heaven. Mostly, though, it was quiet. Each room with its spider and heavy overcoat, catching his fly with a web of cigarette smoke and reverie. So dark, I could not see my face in the shaving mirror. At 5 a.m., the sound of bare feet upstairs. The gypsy fortune teller, whose storefront is on the corner, going to pee after a night of love. Once, too, the sound of a child sobbing. So near it was, I thought for a moment I was sobbing myself. <laughs> um, this one is much more in the, the style, I think, that Simic became known for, the, the great choice of details each kind of simple in themselves that create a sort of unsettling scene. Um, and I had uh, a sort of anthology, or not anthology, but a selection of his poems that I got, one of the first sort of poetry books that I got ever, um, either in early college or, or maybe even late high school. Um, it was called 60 Poems, and this was one of them. And... To me, my favorite is just the ending. I, I, you know, there's very little in the beginning for most of the poem about the speaker um, himself. You know, it's about the surroundings of the speaker. Um, but you have this sort of dramatic turn, you know, once to the sound of a child sobbing. So near it was, I thought for a moment I was sobbing myself. Um and the line breaks there and the kind of sudden turn toward thinking about oneself in that situation just is very surprising. Um, but I think it's one of those poems where by its description, you know, you have the great title Hotel Insomnia and Simic famously um, was... <laughs> had insomnia for much of his life um that the the surrounding images of the scene of the whole poem is sort of giving you a sense of the world and there is a kind of you know um decrepit quality um to it so when you get to there's the that feeling that's kind of under sort of girding the whole poem that kind of becomes 
um, the actual text and not just subtext sort of at this moment of like, so near it was, I thought for a moment I was sobbing myself. Um, and of course, you know, it's like, um, it's also that just that weird perception of like, just a great, like imagining you're, you're, um, so close to someone else sobbing, you think it's your own sobbing. The kind of disorientation that that requires is is truly stunning. So I want to share a poem myself, of course. Um, I don't know if I ever reached the full level of obsession with a Simic poem, but I do like a lot of his work. Uh, and I, I will share a favorite of mine. Uh, also, if you go back into the Close Talking archive, you'll find that on episode 92, we talk a bit about Simic's poem, Watermelons. Here's that poem really quickly, because it's a good short one. Watermelons by Charles Simic. Green Buddhas on the fruit stand. We eat the smile and spit out the teeth. So we used that poem and that episode 92 to kind of announce and move into our week of quiet, reflective poems that we used to close out Poetry Month in uh, 2020. So you can head back and check out that episode and the other ones that come after it, which are in a somewhat reflective mode. Um, okay, so the poem I really wanted to share uh, of Simix is Back at the Chicken Shack. Uh, it was published in Poetry Magazine in 1987, and I really love the way that it blends the kind of ethereal and the earthly and mixes a lot of wry, sort of knowing humor with a pretty healthy dose of existential dread. And of course, this poem shares its title with the excellent 1963 track by the great jazz organist Jimmy Smith. So this is Back at the Chicken Shack. Back at the Chicken Shack. What I need is a seraph and a pig. The pig to eat and the seraph to ask questions. I suffer hugely. Of all matters heavenly, I'm suspicious, ornery, deeply mistrustful. All I know is what Euclid says. We are strolling in our Sunday rags. We are tipping our hats to the great nothing, snapping our firemen's suspenders when the ladies come into view in their light summer dresses, carrying parasols. It must be ten below zero. They seem to be laughing at us. One of them has fallen back and is praying. The sky is the color of pitch. Not even one star out tonight. I think the pig knows what's in store for him, your excellency. You ought to talk to him. He ought to talk to you. I assume you have an important message for all of us when you come. In the meantime, the large butchering knife on the table and that woman praying in the galactic wind. I sat and sat peering into the gloom, and then I remembered the mirrors all the many kinds such a big city can contain, dimming, dimming, trying to catch one last glint of each other, and that calmed me down. So that's Back at the Chicken Shack by Charles Simic. Now, to close out this episode, I thought we could hear from the man himself. So thank you very much for listening. And we hope you'll be back for our next episode. We will be returning to our usual format of reading the poem, talking about the poem, and reading the poem again. 
Uh, but to close out this episode, remembering the recently passed Charles Simic, here is Charles Simic reading his poem December 21st. And he read this during a 2007 hey, interview. Thanks for with listening. Yes, news. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Those reviews help us with the algorithm and are the best way for us to find new listeners. About the Bosnian. Do you have thoughts about this poem, or is there a poem or poet you'd like us to cover on a future episode? We would love to hear from you, and there are tons, tons of ways to get in touch. Yes, you can send us an email to close talking poetry at gmail.com or. Find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at and, Jack Rossiter uh, Munn. Connor is at uh, Connor Ronnie. M. Stratton. And, and the show is at itself. Close Talking. Uh, on Instagram, so yes, I mean, we are at Close Talking Poetry. And we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Close Talking. And speaking of all of those many and varied social media platforms, a very special thank you to our incredible social media manager, Corey China. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Back to Kane. Come back again. All I've Please ever done, come back. Just one more time. Door is always open. Poking in the ruins with a okay, stick. Fine. Until I was covered with soot and ashes, I couldn't wash off, even if I wanted to. And that was Charles Simic reading December 21st. I have been Close Talking co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley. You also heard some recordings from co-host Connor McNamara-Stratton. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.